Welcome back to the second ever episode of Ska Station Radio, you mother She thought you killed it, you didn't! Ska never dies! With me is oh, we're my partner, what are you skanking to these days, Cotter? <laughs> I'm here, I'm just jamming out here in Metal Harbor, always just kicking it with them brass instruments. They thought they killed it. They thought they smothered it in the grave. Ska never dies. And that's right. It's reincarnated in Sonic Adventure 2, the extreme one, which apparently includes Ska, which is, I, I don't know if I would associate that as an extreme genre, but they certainly did. I mean, your energy in this intro is pretty extreme. Let's go, Sonic Adventure 2. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of course, developed by the one and only Sonic Team and published by Sega. Released for the Dreamcast <laughs> in June 23rd, 2001. Uh, late Dreamcast release. One of the last ones, I believe. Uh, of course. Okay, first of all, you said the one and only Sonic Team, which of course is false. Excuse me? Are there other we'll get Sonic into the teams? Develop- yeah, How they dare you interrupt in me? <laughs> With your facts. <laughs> Anyway, it released they, they on were... the GameCube on February... I'm talking over here. February 11th, 2002. December 20th, 2011. In... Wait, that's not right. <laughs> 2001 in Japan. The version I played, making it the best version. Uh, of course, it had a modern update in 2012 on PS3, 360, and Steam. Now, what was the that you were saying earlier? I was going to say that you mentioned briefly in there somewhere in your chaos the it was one of the last dreamcast games what i didn't realize when i was researching this june 23rd 2001 is when it released for the dreamcast the dreamcast was announced that it was going to be discontinued in january of 2001 and was then discontinued in march of 2001 oh yeah yeah so this game came out a full three months after the dreamcast was discontinued that's how that's what that's how little respect Scott gets. You know what I mean? This is the problem with America. They basically <laughs> dig the grave and then they release they they just put out new stuff in it. Anyway, you're right about the development. <laughs> um why don't you take it away and talk about that a little bit? Because it is really interesting. There is a game here in the midst of the ska, so Yeah, so development for this Sonic Adventure 2 uh, started pretty soon after Sonic Adventure 1 released in 1999, as we talked about last time. Uh, And this one was designed to coincide with Sonic 1's release date. It was the 10-year anniversary of Sonic 1 in 2001. So they're revving up to get this out by then. But much of the team flew to San Francisco from their place in Japan and formed Sonic Team USA, which is why there's not just the one Sonic team, because they left part of the team back there. So Sonic Team USA started their first ever project in San Francisco, and that was localizing the first Sonic adventure for the States, which they got done relatively quickly. Sonic Team back in Japan was still working on Fantasy Star Online, which was going to be a Dreamcast game. So they split up for this. One focused more on Sonic, the other focused on their other weird stuff um choo choo rocket came out somewhere in there i don't know but when after they finished localizing sonic adventure one they began working on its sequel and they mainly looked at what worked from the original and what didn't and 
what they decided was that the play styles of Amy and Big just weren't good, which we would agree with, I would assume. Uh-huh. So they decided to scrap those all together and instead focus on just three styles, Sonic, Knuckles, and Gamma. The action stages, the treasure hunting, and the shooting levels. No Tails, because I guess Tails was too similar to Sonic, and they're like, eh, whatever. We'll just lump that in with Sonic. So deciding on those three, they decided to also just fulfill another fan request that they had of making Dr. Eggman playable. So they're like, okay, we'll give him Gamma style, since he can ride a mech and shoot things. And then they started working on the rest of the game. They took a lot of inspiration from their new location of San Francisco, which to anyone who's played the game would make a lot of sense. They designed initially the first stage they worked on was city escape, which they basically just made San Francisco for a Sonic level. Uh, And that's kind of where it started out that October in 1999 Sega officially announced Adventure 2 was coming to the Dreamcast, but there weren't a whole lot of details. They just kind of teased that there were new Sonic stages, as expected, and I believe somewhere in there they announced that Dr. Eggman was playable, which was pretty exciting, and they briefly showed a shadowy hedgehog that you couldn't quite tell who it was. But there was no information on Tails, so... It turns out that they hadn't planned for Tails to be in the game at all. They just, like, if he was in the game, then he wasn't going to be playable. Interesting. So what they did was, after fans began worrying about it and pestering them, probably, they decided to put him in the game, but just also give him the playstyle of Gamma. He could ride a mech because that's something Tails would probably do, and he can also have the shooting levels. Which is why it seems weird that Tails in Adventure 1 was still platforming and flying and then is not in this one. So there you go. Sure. So on November 21st of 2000, this is when Fantasy Star Online came out and it released for the Dreamcast. And it came with a bonus disc known as Sonic Adventure 2 The Trial. And you can still find these discs like pretty much everywhere. Apparently they're super cheap. But it had a playable version of City Escape, and then it teased Shadow being in the game, calling him just the ultimate hedgehog. Uh, And that got people really excited. But sometime between that, where the game was almost finished, and when the game was finished, they made a partnership with a company called Soap Shoes. And they made it so that Sonic shoes would be soap shoes. And the main thing about soap shoes was they were designed so that you could grind on rails with your shoes. Hell yeah. Which is the most, like, just 2000s nonsense that could exist. It's great. They're like, hey, give that to Sonic because then he can grind rails. Hey, you like skateboarding? Let's get rid of the board. (laughs) It's like just Heelys, but only one half of the skateboarding experience. That Healy's covered the other. So yeah, that's why there's soap advertisements and Sonic shoes look weird, but it's because he has soap shoes and he grinds on the rails, which I think was a mechanic beforehand, but it is interesting if you play Adventure 2 The Trial, the bonus disc, he doesn't have the soap shoes, he still has his classic shoes. 
which is interesting but interesting uh let's just so people have context give like like a really quick summary of uh, you know like a really quick summary of the basic plot uh before we just like the intro and whatnot yeah yeah like setting it up yeah so basically the setup is dr robotnik this is sometime after adventure one but it doesn't elaborate too much on that uh dr robotnik discovers a diary of his deceased grandfather which is professor gerald and he learns of a secret super weapon so he breaks into a military base the military is called gun which i looked up stands for guardian units of nations so good i love it so much feels like it's ripped right out of metal gear so perfect gun plastered everywhere it's so gun it's so visceral like what a what a what a thing to call your military just gun anyway uh he breaks into the base and unlocks uses a cast emerald to unlock what the secret weapon was and inside is shadow the hedgehog which is a black and red hedgehog that looks very similar to sonic but not at all and it calls himself the ultimate life form and yeah so then eggman tries to take over the world with shadow uh sonic gets arrested for looking too much like shadow i guess <laughs> this is a seems... this is a world full of hedgehog racists pretty much also sonic say spoilers for adventure one sonic saved station square from chaos and was like very important and a big deal but apparently not because they can't tell him away apart from shadow and sonic gets arrested <laughs> This and Mario Sunshine to me have cases of, like, every character is apparently, like, super colorblind and cannot tell the difference. Especially when both of them are in the same area. Like, yeah, it's so funny to me. It's just, like, such a dumb conceit. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Sonic, theoretically, he would be, like, like, the ultimate hero. Yeah, he saved... He saved Station Square from a giant god. I mean, most of Station Square did get destroyed, but... You know, he rescued people, Saved in quotes. In quotes. In the same way that Superman saves Metropolis at the end of Man of Steel. By breaking everything? Sure, yeah, yeah, it's saved, I guess. It's a giant pile of rubble, but uh, nobody's attacking it anymore. (laughs) Saved. I guess that's a plus. The people were cheering at the end of Adventure 1, at least, so that's something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, real quickly then, because we kind of talked over at it uh, the last episode, our histories with this game. Uh, for me personally, I absolutely love this game. Um, I Like I said last time, Sonic Adventure 1, I truly loved this one. Felt like It, it kind of felt like one of the first things that I loved that was kind of a little darker, a little more edgy. Um, and as a kid, I just ate that up. You know, it's like around that time, it's just like that was becoming very much more appealing to me. Uh, so I, I truly, truly loved this game. Just like the first game, just played the hell out of it. What about you? Oh yeah, this was one of a few GameCube games I owned. Probably, I think I owned about five GameCube games, and this was one of them. And I played this to death. I think uh, I had two save files. The 
save file that I have now that I still have is about 20 hours. I would say the one before that was probably about like 30 to 40 hours. Like I've played this game a lot going back to it here and there, but mainly just, you know, playing a bunch of kids playing with the chow garden and replaying the stages for other extra emblems. It's got a lot of replayability, but it's also just got a lot of charm and is a super fun game in general. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so just to talk about it in a, in a critical sense, this game is so head and heels better than the first game. Like we talked about a vast improvement. Oh my God. Like this is one of those examples of a sequel that is just, it is a perfect sequel in the sense that it looked at the first game and like you said earlier about the development and just cut all the shit that didn't work. And sure, is it a perfect game? No, it's definitely got some issues, but like it is such a like example of looking at a thing, realizing like, hey, this thing, it, maybe it's not that great, but it's got a lot of potential. It's got a lot of good bits. Let's emphasize those and just focus on that. And this game totally does that very well. It cuts out all the the fat, right? To use an expression. Um, you know, cutting out Amy and Big, thankfully. Uh, and by doing that, uh, they, they also elected to, instead of making it every character has their own campaign, putting sort of a hero and dark side stories. Uh, so you're playing through the events of the same story, but through different teams, which really... It really, truly cuts down on the repetition. Um, everybody has their own unique levels this time around, which is really nice. There are only a couple of instances where you're going to watch the same cutscenes twice, so but it's not as bad as the last game where you could watch stuff up to like four times. It just, it really does feel like a cut down, smoothed over version of the first game. <laughs> it's, uh, it's campy story makes a lot more sense. It's goofy as hell, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there are plot holes, which I'm sure you will talk about. But like, I definitely will talk about. But like, in terms of like comparing that directly to the first games, it is like no comparison. It is such a fun time. At no point do I ever stop and go, "Well, that doesn't," you know. Well, this this part truly sucks. Like, every once in a while, there's something that doesn't work quite as well. But it's it's just such a vast improvement. Yeah, for sure. With some minor exceptions, I feel like it is. De- it is a far cry from what the original was. I felt like ed- anything that the original was trying to do, especially with Sonic a- and Knuckles, I feel like this game really emphasizes that while adding some new stuff to keep it fresh. Um, it feels a lot faster. It feels a lot more responsive. It feels a lot less janky. <laughs> like there's not points where you're just going to clip through a wall for no reason or if you hit the loop wrong, you're just going to not make it. The first game had some of that, but this game really feels like they put in the extra just focus to iron out some of that stuff. I will say there are those exceptions, and those exceptions being the radar for the treasure hunting stages, which yes. I feel like they intentionally broke, um, and the cart racing stuff. I yes. feel like is a little unnecessary. Well, hey, let's let's walk through this uh, one thing at a time. Let's let's talk about the the Sonic levels, the returning gameplay style, uh, which Sonic and Shadow. Uh, they operate the same way, but they sped up the gameplay to a point where 
like the first adventure game i feel like felt like it was like these are the cool bits these are like when you're a kid you're gonna be like this is the coolest thing ever right this game for me truly lives up to that or like there's a lot of moments here where they just designed them so they would feel cool and that starts off in the first level where literally the first thing you do is you jump out of a helicopter on a like i guess a piece of it <laughs> yeah just like it's door yeah it's skate down uh san francisco hill with a pop punk song playing in the background and you could do tricks off ramps and you're hitting cars and they're going flying it's like the coolest thing ever like it's it's totally like like took the volume and dialed it up to 11 you know like like i feel like they truly were like thinking about how that game like the first game didn't have a ton of set piece like moments that made you feel like really cool like i guess it's the tornado stuff in uh windy valley zone or whatever um yeah and the boulder in lost world as sonic. yeah there were some things like that but like this game feels like you're doing it all the time with the sonic characters it feels so much better it feels tighter to control uh we talked about the grinding thing which like i legitimately feel like helps to speed up the gameplay a lot uh it gives you you know it gives you reasons to look at the environment and see how it's used like look for grinding rails look for springs that'll get you there um one of the things i didn't talk about last time around in the other episode was the uh the is it called the uh, the what's the thing called where you dash all in the rings uh the light speed dash light speed dash in the first game i think sucks and really hampers the gameplay because you have to stop in place and charge it up uh even that they recognize that and when you get it in this game it's just you run up to a to a line of rings and you push b and he does it and it feels smooth and it feels fast uh, and it, it feels light speed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, everything feels like it's meant to make sure you the level is flowing and you don't ever have to come to a complete stop, which is just such a fast improvement. Like, it's amazing how much better these levels feel than they did in the first game. I will speak on that, especially because I feel like this game, more so than the first, emphasizes speed more than platforming which is something Sonic games have always tried to balance where platforming is slow, but you want the rest of the game to be really fast. And I feel like this game really emphasizes the fact that if you are skilled enough, you can keep the speed and momentum going. But if you're not fat, if you're not skilled enough, then you can take it slower and still recognize the threats normally, you know, and, maybe take it a little bit slower but you can still move at a quick pace but once you then recognize what's in the stage and then how the controls work then as you get better at the game you can keep that speed going and that's what's really rewarding for me in sonic games is having the skill necessary to keep the speed going uh, a spe specific example would be in pyramid cave as sonic there are areas where there are swinging poles that you can swing off of and if you have the timing right then you can swing off of them and skip this giant pit but if you don't have the timing right you fall into the pit and you're not dead it's just you have to do a little bit slower platforming thing to get back up and then you can continue on so it's just little moments like that where if you recognize what you can do as the character and manage to execute that well then you're going to be rewarded by being a lot faster. Yeah, totally. Uh, it, you know, last time we praised the homing attack for, uh, you know, allowing you to 
feel cool, but also like it gives them an excuse to slow down the player a bit uh, while also keeping them on track for the level. And that's back, of course. But I feel like even the small things added to this game, they added a roll that's different from the spin dash when you roll up in a ball. They had just like a normal like like heat somersaults on the ground to get under stuff, uh, which you'll have to do at parts in the level. Even that, which will slow you down a bit, but it doesn't feel bad. Like it still feels like the level has flow, but it feels like they get a chance to slow you down a tad so you know what's coming up next. And stuff like that I find really impressive from a design standpoint. And I think they deserve all the credit in the world for making that work. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, vastly improving on something that already worked fairly well in the last game, but like, make like playing these levels, I cannot see because when I was like, dude, do a little bit of research for this, I did see some people trying to make the argument that SA One is a better game, especially for these stages, and I just don't see it, man. <laughs> like, it is. I will say this is one element that I brought up in the first episode about how I liked how the levels in Adventure One were a little bit more open and they had a lot of branching paths that you could sort of go off the beaten path to find collectibles like rings and whatnot. And that's something that I really like about Sonic stages and something that I really like about classic Sonic stages in the 2D games. And I do feel like Adventure 2's stages lean away from that. There are maybe a couple instances of that, but primarily it's about a linear experience and taking the one single path but trying to do it as fast as possible which is also what sonic is about it's just really a matter of preference and while i like the more explorative stages and the more explorative level design i definitely see the qualities of both so if it's by preference i would like them to return to the if we were to get you know more adventure style games which i don't see for a little bit I would like them to try uh, the Adventure 1 style just because I like having that option to explore. But with the heavier emphasis on speed that Adventure 2 has, I feel like this level design really works for it. So it's really just pre- preference, but also like just what the emphasis of the game is. And I feel like these levels really work for that. Right. And... I really appreciate how they have set piece moments that really flow with the pace of the level. Because uh, like in the last game, like take that Windy Valley example, it's awesome that you get sucked up into the tornado, but there's a loading screen in between it, right? And it kind of breaks it up and loses momentum. Where in this game, like literally in the first level, when you get to the end of it, uh, and you duck under the railing and you start running towards the camera like Crash Bandicoot, and then the stupid, dumbass, giant gun truck comes at you and the music changes that all happens without a loading screen it just happens smoothly and you know it feels like it feels like they were it, it feels like they recognize that the levels in the other games could feel slow even though exciting things were happening and even though it's cool that you know we transitioned and we got different themes in between those it kind of really slowed down the pace and they really worked on that stuff and it looks so nice and it feels so Again, it just feels cool, which feels like that was their goal, was to make you feel cool. For sure. And I mean, that kind of also fits into uh, Shadow's design. You know, they're trying to make him this cool, edgy character. But even if he's not, because he's still an anthropomorphic hedgehog, I still feel like that sort of attitude that he brings 
still kind of fits that mentality. So then when you get to stages where he's grinding down the Golden Gate Bridge, it feels natural to the tone that the game has set while still feeling energetic because that's the tone. It feels very energetic to move through. Right. While like bombers are (laughs) flying overhead and yeah, well, you know, the military. (laughs) I mean, it's great though. Like I, I love all of this stuff. I think they really succeeded. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, it's easy to make fun of shadow, especially as adults. As a kid, I loved him so much. I thought he was the coolest thing in the world. Oh, I still have a plushie world. of him. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I think it's really easy for when, you know, like when you go watch YouTube videos or whatever of adults who are going back and reviewing these games, for them to, like, dunk on this stuff. And it's like, think about this from the perspective of a child, right? Like, how cool is a version of Sonic that's, like, black and red and he's, like, he's got a little bit of an attitude and he's got a dark past. And, like, like yeah, that stuff is rad and it really works. <laughs> like, I, I find that stuff really fun in like a really impressive way uh you know at the end of the game i do think it gets a little too convoluted for its own good but like for the most part it's it's pretty impressive how they make that stuff work yeah so let's move on to the next character style yeah let's talk about the treasure hunting stages which is i i think this is the one where they did make it a tad worse than the last game uh you mentioned it earlier they totally did mess up the radar in the last game you were collecting three items and when you got close to one your radar would start blinking uh if in the last game if two of them were close enough together you would get two pieces blinking at once like they were all active essentially on the radar in this game it only activates one piece at a time which means you could be right next to a piece and your radar won't start blinking uh so you have to do it linearly one section at a time and these pieces are random so it's not as if the levels are designed for you to not backtrack you will probably be backtracking a lot because just looking all over these stupid levels for them because of the way that radar is designed and i think it's pretty lame oh for sure i feel like this was a change that did not need to happen i know there's meant to be by doing this they introduce some sort of flow of an order that you're supposed to collect them in but since they're still random it's not intentional it just feels like they're hindering you to make those stages last a little longer which is not a great piece of game design it also doesn't help that these stages for these treasure hunting characters which are knuckles and rouge are way way bigger than they were in adventure one if you think about levels in adventure one like speed highway as knuckles where it's this enclosed area there's sort of these two city blocks that you're dealing with but they're relatively small and there's some set pieces to let you know where you are these are about three times as the size of that level and there are less noticeable set pieces and it's just a mess yeah which like it's it's a it's unfortunate and i feel like the their last the last uh their last treasure hunting levels for both characters are the worst levels in the game which makes it it just makes it stand out even more like, I think when they work, there are a couple levels in here that I do think are cool. Uh, I think most people know Pumpkin Hill. I, I would shout that out as a fun one. Uh, but, like, yeah, for the most part, I do think the style is is worse than the other game. Not so much worse that I think it's, like, worth, you know, saying it's completely bad or anything. But I think the radar thing's bad. I think some of the levels, like the last couple levels, are just 
massive and not in a fun way. And honestly, I think the problem is those levels are massive vertically, which <laughs> makes it really harder to hunt for this stuff uh, rather than horizontally. And then I do think Knuckles has a level that takes place in a mine that I think is one of my least favorites ever. <laughs> um, I might even like it worse than the than the last couple levels. Um, but yeah, it's I, not that bad. I'm I'm actually kind of a fan of that level. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's for me. It's a camera issue where there's a lot of tight hallways. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah, no, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, and it's I just, just I don't love it there. Um, but you know, all in all, I don't think these are bad. I don't think they ruin the game necessarily. They just have a couple of bad stages. Uh, which is unfortunate. I will say I played this on the PC version for one of my playthroughs, and I installed the SA2 mod loader, and as part of the mod loader, there is a cheat code that unlocks all three of the radar slots, which I did for one of the playthroughs, and it is way better. I actually enjoyed those stages a lot more. I was able to get times that were under five minutes, (laughs) which is good. I th- really think that's the way to go if you decide to do this nowadays is get the mod loader and do it that way because it's just a lot more enjoyable. Uh, I did play some of the Dreamcast version again for this one like I did with the last one. But the differences for the Dreamcast to GameCube version this time are a lot less substantial than they were for SA1 to DX. But one of the Uh, significant things I'll mention here is the when you're in the treasure hunting stages in the GameCube version if you are above a piece and you have to dig to obtain it then there will be a red explanation point above your character obviously your radar will probably be flashing red so you know it's close but once you're over where you're supposed to dig then it'll give you an explanation point that explanation point is not in the Dreamcast version (laughs) which makes exploring that much more difficult yeah that's not great (laughs) let's talk about the the mech stages we talked about this in the last episode again about how the gamma stages were fairly fun but really under baked uh undercooked short Uh, yeah i mean they were like like that first level is like 45 seconds long maybe like it's they're a good idea good foundation they just didn't really seem to come together uh this they do here, I think, and I think it's for several reasons. A, these levels are much, uh, much bigger, uh, you know, and you feel like you get a lot more time to rack up combos, and I would just play, like, it feels fun to play as Eggman and Tails. In terms of the core shooting, it feels fairly similar to me. I'm sure that there's some nuance, nuance difference, but it, it's, it's a good time. The one thing I think they did that really improved these, uh, it, it, you know, made these longer stages viable, is they kind of ditched the classic sonic format of having your health points be rings and gave you a health bar which is like i don't think these stages would be completable without it it allows you to tank some damage which you'll need especially in the last couple and i I think that just makes these levels feel fun and significantly different from the sonic levels or whatever because now you suddenly have like armor that you can suddenly run through a lot more enemies who are shooting at you uh while you're shooting back they feel chaotic but fun yeah i would I would say that's true. I feel like there is, especially since these characters move a lot slower than Sonic or Knuckles or Shadow or Rouge, they move slower so it would be harder to dodge things. So being able to tank a couple hits and then worry about your health afterward 
which you can refill by collecting rings. I feel like that kind of works for this style of gameplay. Yes, I will say though, especially at the later levels, there are some cheap hits that are kind of frustrating. <laughs> oh, there's cheap hits all over this game. Yeah. Um... We didn't mention it. City Escape starts right after you get off your makeshift street board you go through an archway and a robot drops directly on top of you <laughs> it feels like how was i supposed to know about that yeah for some reason that to me never felt super egregious but like in some of the last missions with the mech missions you'll open a door and if you're standing against that door waiting for it to open you'll get hit immediately like without warning yeah especially so, and that, that stuff yeah. to me is like a little unforgivable <laughs> like it's not it's not all over the place again it's not nothing to ruin the game or anything but it is something to know um, and again, that's part of the reason why they need that health bar. Yeah, I think that that's the core gameplay differences. You brought up the kart racing minigame, um, which I don't love. <laughs> um, I think it's okay, though. And I I did want to talk about it in comparison to the minigame from the first Sonic Adventure. Uh, because I think it's an easy way to illustrate why I think this game is so much better. Like, there, uh, through both stories, you'll end up doing two different kart racing minigames. Um, you know, which will have you racing through different different car racing stages. They have the same theme, but they're different levels. And I wanted to compare that to the first game because the first game has you do this, uh, what's called Sky Chase, where you're in Tails' plane. And it's like this on-rail shooter, which is fun the first time you do it, and then you do it three more times <laughs> over the course of that game. And the fact that this game has one minigame type and has you do it twice, and when you do it twice, it's a different level... I think illustrates their attitudes in terms of making this game feel a lot better and not wasting the player's time as much. Now, granted, I don't think this minigame is that great, but I do think it works as a pace breaker, uh, gets you doing something different. It's it's fine, I guess, is what I'm driving at. Yeah, I feel like it's one where it's not too bad, but I wouldn't miss it if it was gone. Oh, of <laughs> like, course. It's it's not too bad, and especially when you consider that compared to Adventure 1, which had Sky Chase, as well as the Amy's Hammer minigame, and the pinball stuff in Casinopolis, and, like, there's a lot of stuff that Adventure did to sort of experiment. There was also the kart racing in Twinkle Park. I feel like this controls well enough that it's just one stage in each story, and they don't need to worry about having constant pace breakers because the pace is already broken up by you switching characters. Mm -hmm. So they're allowed to just kind of, you know, do one kart racing stage. You unlock some kart racing stuff for the multiplayer, and then that's about it. Yeah, totally. And I, I don't know, it's totally fine. Like, you know, yeah, and totally I, I just compare it to the Sky Chase minigame because, like, you have to do the thing four times throughout the course of Sonic Adventure. <laughs> like, it's relatively the same thing each time. Even the the second time you do it, it's supposed to be different, but it doesn't feel different. <laughs> like, so yeah, and like, then you do those two stages, the exact same stages twice. Right, at the yeah. end you have a little bit of a boss fight. But like, you know, at least here it's a different track. It, it's, it, it's totally fine. Um, and it, it's an experiment that doesn't feel too intrusive on the experience, which I do appreciate. So the other thing I want to talk about in terms of the pace of this game it's so much... I, I think one of the things they did to improve it over the first game, just cutting the hub worlds. Like, just doing that alone, 
allows this game to feel so much faster and so much better <laughs> in terms of pacing. Because you're just going from stage to stage. It feels very snappy. It feels very quick. Whereas unlike the first game where you'd be running around these hub worlds and if you had never played those games before, probably confused about what you're supposed to do next, this just feels like it's the energy is constantly at a high and it's rarely ever slowing you down. I played through... Uh, I played this game in two sittings, one story in each sitting, and I guess technically the last story as well. Uh, but, you know, I was able to do that because I was never bored. Because it just keeps going, and it keeps... Uh, the momentum keeps keeps the pace that it's trying to set, right? Um, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> it has good pacing, yeah, it has, I guess is the yeah, argument it has good I'm pacing. Making. It keeps, keeps the momentum going in terms of stages. The main thing that the hub worlds did in Adventure 1 was... Yeah, it kind of fleshes out the world, but, like, who cares? Because it's Sonic, and they don't care about the world. But the main thing that Adventure 2 did, or Adventure 1 did, was it hosted a couple boss fights, and it allowed you to find upgrades. And this time, the upgrades are just in the stages. Usually, usually, I stress, they are just pretty obvious or required to beat the stage, so you have to just take one step off the beaten path to grab it and then you can progress like sonic's light light speed dash you get that in metal harbor and you get to an area where you can't progress because there's a light trail that you need so you just look to the left and there's a thing that gives it to you and then you go onto it i feel like that kind of stuff where they're given to you throughout the story but you still kind of just have to pick them up it works relatively well relatively i stress yes uh and let's just we'll get into that later well let's do it now in case somebody wants to play this game based on this review in aquatic mine it's a knuckle stage make sure you grab the upgrade in that level because you will need it at the end of the game and they don't guide you to it it's really annoying when i say off the beaten path that does not apply to this one it is it is just straight up hidden <laughs> But it is required to beat the game, and you don't realize that until the end of the game. So you're looking for the air necklace. If you want to Google it, Google it. It's off to, it's in one of the tunnels, but the air necklace is what you need. It'll be in an underwater tunnel, but you just go through it. God, as a kid, I got to the end of the game, and there's the part that you need it, and I literally thought my game was bugged because I could not get to the end because you just drown. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bad design decision. I don't know how that That's happened. why I never beat this game as a kid, is because I got to that part and was stuck. And it wasn't until in middle school, probably, that I was watching a video where you can clip out of bounds and then fly to the end of the level. And I was like, oh, I could do that, and then I won't drown. So that's the only way I beat it as a kid. Nowadays, I know that the air necklace is a thing, but... It's like, why did you hide it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a wild choice for sure. Uh, anything we're forgetting that you want to bring up before we jump into spoilers? Um, I want to ask, what's your favorite stage? Oh, I mean, come on, it's City Escape. Like, it, it, I mean, yeah, not only is it the one. best stage in this game, it might be one of the best opening levels to a video game ever. Like, it's really good. It's also one of the best stages in any Sonic game. So. Yeah, for sure. Like... It jumps out. The energy is immediately at a 10. We get this fun song. You know, you're on the, the, the chopper skateboard thing. And you're destroying cars. And the police are after you. And it's just like this dumbass, like, but fun as hell. Like, 
It's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's such an easy answer. I feel like it's a boring answer, but like... Yeah, so what's your favorite non-Sonic stage? <laughs> Non-Sonic stage, oh man. Um, or Shadow. I'll just do of the other guys. Ooh, I'm pretty partial to Skyrail as Shadow. Yeah, that one's good. Um, I'm a big fan of and that And then one. I also really like Lost Colony as Eggman. Yes, Lost Colony, uh, Cosmic Wall, I think, is the one that I'm a big fan of. Oh, That's Cosmic Wall is the one gravity. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Because that's the space one, right? We have uh, low gravity. Yes. yes, that one's fun. Lost Colony is the one where you... Okay, yeah, yeah. Where it's dark and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one's also all right. Yeah, least favorite stage? Obvious. <sighs> I mean, it's the... It's, I Bad guess space. it's Rouge's last stage. <laughs> yeah. Knuckles is slightly better, but not by much. Uh, oh, we should talk about the music. I I really like the soundtrack for Sonic Adventure 1. Like everything else, I think this one is so much better. <laughs> like and, and yeah. in this case it's a it's a that was already good and you've improved something that was already pretty great. Yeah, I see a lot of debates on which one's better, Adventure 1 or 2 in terms of soundtrack and I flip-flopped a lot on this, but I think I've pretty definitively landed in Adventure 2 soundtrack is better. I just love the, I think the main complaint against the soundtrack that most people have is it's lacking in some variation, mainly the fact that pretty much every track, like at least 60% of the tracks have a prominent electric guitar, but I love that. Yeah, I know. Like (laughs) Um, that's, we talked about this last time, how Open Your Heart, I think really established what sonic was going to be and you know i felt like that through the characterization him in the first game he's kind of a you know like a blank slate almost like he doesn't really have that much of an attitude this game you literally start out and he's like the sonic you picture in your head and like i think the music is just a perfect like like it totally matches it and i don't know i love the commitment to you know to all this like you know from your just rock to your ska and your pop punk and you're like like it matches it so well yeah i would completely agree yeah the sonic and shadow stages have a lot of electric guitar but i feel like even within those they are a lot more varied than that would seem they're not all just rock tracks like oh yeah no uh, i mean you mentioned that metal harbor has uh pretty ska heavy like a lot of brass um city escape as well has some the when you get into the space levels like crazy gadget final rush and final chase of shadow they have a lot of like techno and synthesizer elements to them well shadow's music feels a lot more like that sort of post-hardcore emo stuff like like there's a lot of variation type stuff yeah yeah I, i would say rock just to generalize but you know i like actually talking about critically it's not just that like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of genre switches here. Um, I think my favorite example of this is Pyramid Cave as Sonic, where, yeah, the primary uh, instrument is an le- electric guitar, but they make a really interesting choice to include a steel drum there, which is not something you, not an instrument you normally think of when you think of a pyramid. 
and a desert level, but I feel like it really works. For the other characters, all of Knuckles' tracks are these extremely cheesy rap songs that I absolutely they're adore. They're so fun. They're so bad, but they're so fun. I mean, I think the actual song composition is pretty great. Like, especially Pumpkin Hill, I feel like, yeah, it's a little repetitious, but the rap is what's being emphasized by the repetition. And the rap lyrics are extremely cheesy because this is still a Sonic game and it's rapping as if it's care as if it's Knuckles rapping, which is hilarious. But I feel like those aren't too bad. Tales is a lot of sort of more pop oriented songs. There's still some rock and stuff thrown in there, but it's a lot more um, poppy oriented stuff. Eggman has a lot more techno and grunge stuff going on. And then Rouge's music is probably my favorite in the game. It has the perfect element of just uh, both jazz and pseudo-orchestrated. And my favorite fact about Rouge's music is that it uses a lot of jazz flute, which is not something you see a whole lot in jazz, but a lot of jazz flute and a lot of vibraphone which i am a big fan of as someone who played in a jazz band that we only ever played one with jazz flute because we only had one flute player i love the heck out of that yeah it's it's nice and like the rest of the game i think particularly knuckles and and rouge's soundtracks help to break it up too the music is the music's all around good i I legitimately don't think there's a song in this game i don't like yeah i mean i have the vinyl of this soundtrack for a reason it's so good yeah I, I mean, I guess I don't love Amy's song, but I didn't. It's the same one from Adventure One, so I guess that doesn't really, yeah, that barely little, counts. <laughs> it also only shows up twice. Yeah. Or three times. Also, I want to give a shout out to Eggman's theme. I feel like it's never given any credit. It's great. It's really cheesy, like the Knuckles rap songs. It's. Yeah, he is the Eggman. He, he has the, the Eggman. master plan. It's very fun, though. <laughs> so, yeah, big shout out to that stuff. It's It's great. Uh, and of course, live and learn the main theme. It's a jam. You gotta give it. You gotta give it the the credit it deserves. Um, I think you'll probably hear that at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, you probably won't hear the whole song because I'll probably save City Escape for the last song and have it be longer. But you know, you gotta you gotta yeah jam it to that. Like it's it's a good time. Oh yeah, I mean it's the title theme for a reason. Same as Open Your Heart was for the first game. Well. Let's uh let's discuss all the fun plot twists and drama <laughs> that is oh, corny as hell, but a, a good time. If you have not played the game, this is where we're going to talk about spoiler stuff. So if you'd like to wait, play the game first, come back to this podcast later, or if you don't care, stay with us. Whatever you prefer. If you're leaving, see ya. Have a good time. Have fun with the game. It's it's fun. <laughs> insane is that moon seed (laughs) oh man it's it's one where like it's supposed to be really shocking right at the beginning and like right the first time you play it it is not (laughs) as someone who's stuck with the franchise after that knowing that this has no bearing or really any bearing on this game's plot either it's kind of wild i know it's uh like I love their choice, though, to make it, like, 
like there's magma in the moon so it looks like it's just got this like like it's like blood like it's like this wild like like i i kind of love it but it's just so insane i think it's one of the story trailers that you get for beating one of the stories but um or no it's with the in the president's limo where they say that this act increased worldwide terrorism <laughs> what a sentence you just said in the president's oh, limo it said that eggman blowing up the moon caused an increase in worldwide terrorist activities is the actual quote and yet again i need to point out what the f- is eggman's plan here he wants to take over the world okay so he blows up the moon which is yep. bad as yes. humans living on the planet uh-huh no moon bad no moon is bad oh, he only blows up half of it the moon is fine moon do good things because of its mass yeah well it's only a little bit less massive blowing away half its mass do bad that do bad things <laughs> yeah well i, I know very little fine. about science but i know enough to know that uh no moon do moon. bad things <laughs> the tides will just be a little less intense <laughs> so his plan is to frighten earth by destroying the moon which may destroy earth anyway <laughs> eventually also yet again who's funding him um he i'm convinced that especially with this game I feel like he's just riding off the money from his estate. So he's independently he's... wealthy. Yeah, because he's got a bunch of money. From I guess his he's got he's got daddy's money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's my answer there. True. Okay. Okay. I guess we've answered the question then. I also want to apologize for last episode where I implied this game has no meaning, has no reference back to the last one. It totally does. Oh yeah, it does. Which I just had forgotten about. Didn't realize. Uh, Station Square apparently happened, but it's only referenced once. Yeah, and there's also the references to chaos. I think there's a movie poster with chaos in it, which is pretty funny. And then there are the artificial chaos creatures on the Ark. Yeah, I mean, those I knew about, but I mean, like, plot-wise. Yeah, no, Station Square definitely did happen. Yeah, but it never felt like it happened to me. But yeah, there's literally a scene where they're talking about Tales... For some reason, winning, getting a Chaos Emerald for saving the city, which seems like, like yeah, okay, so <laughs> like a bad idea. Do you idea? want to go through the plot chronologically, or uh, yeah, we could skim. Um, I'll skim a little. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot more of a straightforward plot. Thankfully, we're not going to do a whole trying to tie it together like we did last time, because uh, we don't need to. Because it's it's straightforward, which is much better. <laughs> Yeah, but it has a lot more plot holes. So, <laughs> here we go. Uh, we got through... Uh, Shadow agrees to help Eggman take over the world. We discussed that earlier. Shadow Shadow's apparently tells a Eggman, genie and he grants him wishes? Uh, yes. And the wish granted is by telling him to meet him on the Space Colony arc, which just exists, I guess. Um, it said that it was a space colony, you know, where people lived that uh was decommissioned 50 50 years prior to this game and they just left it up there (laughs) it's just still there i mean that that part's not unbelievable yeah but the 
it's also known that there were strange, uh, both biological and technological experiments on developing weapons up there. Like, I think that would get a little more attention. <laughs> um, anyway, Shadow tells Eggman to meet him up there. Eggman will figure it out, I'm sure. Shadow, I don't know how he'll get up there, but he'll figure it out. Um, Shadow, yeah, <laughs> just jump. Um, Shadow robs a bank <laughs> to steal a Chaos Emerald. And then because of that act, Sonic gets arrested for some reason. And then they meet after taking out some more military troops. Shadow, Chaos Control, uses his Chaos Control ability, which lets him teleport and also slow down time, I believe. He uses that to escape, and then Sonic gets captured and sent to prison. By the way, what a wild thing that three of the characters, if you really think about it, don't need to do what they're doing. Because... Their modes of transport don't really make any sense. Or Shadow oh, can sure. teleport, so why do we ever need to go with him anywhere? And Eggman and Tails have flying machines. Why are they walking on the ground? This is really important because, like, I can I can get that Tails would be walking through the through Prison Island, his first stage, because he's trying to get to where Sonic is and break him out of jail. Sure. I can buy that. Indoors. It's when you get to Route 101 and he's chasing the president as a car and not a plane that he is driving that can transform into a plane. Why doesn't he just fly over the street? Or in Mission Street. With like... Where he's trying to escape the, the military and he is also driving a plane but decides to walk on the ground with his plane. It's a while. It's just, it's real dumb. And even Eggman's thing, it's like, why don't you just hover everywhere? That seems way better. Yeah, or just... tell. I mean, he also has a teleporter. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid I guess, video game. Uh, his stage outside of the pyramid, uh, Hidden Base, I believe is what it's called, they sort of briefly explain that he's just ta- getting rid of the gun troops that are around his base, and then he's going into the base to, you know, actually be there. But you'd think that would than... be easier to do from the air. Yeah, but he doesn't have a plane. His egg egg carrier two got blown up, and he hasn't built another one. <laughs> no, that little pod he's in can fly. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess you got it. Can there. fly. It did it all last <laughs> game, and the history of Eggman. He's always in that little thing. Yeah, I guess he just put legs on it, and then decided, nah, this is better. <laughs> this is better. I can fly. I can walk. In fact, actually, he flies in the in the first Knuckles at Roost level. He steals the... Oh, yeah, he tries to steal the Master Emerald, and he flies away, and... He's flying. What's he doing? What is he doing? What a crazy man. Yeah, so Knuckles guards the Master Emerald, which is not on Angel Island for some reason? Question Good mark? Good question. It's also... Um, how big is that thing? <laughs> Why is it a different size every time we see it? Yeah, it both fits in the palm of your hand and is the size of you. So, you know, whatever. Adventure 1 is the size of a car. Yeah, and then it is at the start of Adventure 2. And then in the start of the last story, it fits in his palm. There's literally a shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you're talking about. Like, they put it back together and it's, yeah, the size of him. And then, yeah, he's holding it in his hand. (laughs) It's like, what is... What is the logic here? Oh, well. 
I mean, at the end of the day, this is a franchise about an anthropomorphic blue hedgehog. No, I demand we like... take it seriously. <laughs> um. Anyway, Eggman tries to steal, or Roost tries to steal the Master Emerald because she likes jewels and is also a spy for Gun for some reason, which doesn't really matter. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Uh, Eggman tries to steal the Master Emerald because I guess he's like, his his explanation is, I am going to use this for something, I'm sure. But what makes more sense to me is that he already knows about the plan that Shadow told him, which is get all the Chaos Emeralds and then use them to power up the Eclipse Cannon, which is the cannon he uses on the Ark to shoot the moon. And since the Master Emerald can negate the Chaos Emeralds, he's just planning on stealing it or destroying it, which it destroys it and it's like, or Knuckles destroys it and it's like, okay, cool, mission accomplished. Um, that's not explicitly stated in the game, but it just makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Rouge and Knuckles, they go searching for the Master Emerald pieces. That's why their stages are the where they are. Rouge also follows Eggman to his pyramid base. And she sneaks on board the Ark with a teleporter, I assume. And meets Eggman and Shadow and joins them. Tails saw that Sonic got captured on TV. That's why he goes to Prison Island to rescue him. But he finds Amy there. I don't know how Amy got to Prison Island. <laughs> So and, I was going to go rescue him. But how'd she get there? Because nah. then Sonic, when she busts Sonic out of prison, and then Sonic asks, well, how'd you get here? Then she says, I hitched a ride with Tails. Which, no, she didn't. Because <laughs> we saw Tails fly onto the island, and Amy was already there. Oh, God. Look, man. Come on. <laughs> um, Tails fights Eggman, the rescue Sonic. She probably Sonic. just took a tour, like a normal person. <laughs> Amy did? Yeah, to get there. Like, like this is obviously Alcatraz, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, but like it's also else still is like... used... Yeah, It's yeah. still used as an actual prison, though. <laughs> they just imprisoned hedgehogs there. Well, yeah, where else are you going to put them? <laughs> hedgehogs hate oceans. Put them on an island. It's a known fact. I mean, he can't swim, so... Yeah, they ain't leaving. The Team Dark is already there because they... Wait, hang on. Are we trying... forgot about the uh, the Sonic's like lunatic scribblings on the wall. Okay, so this actually is good because this is not Sonic. <laughs> Who is it? Um, it's Gerald Robotnik. He was imprisoned after he was captured aboard the Ark, and then those are his scribblings to make the plans for the Ark to collapse into the Earth. I believe. Hang on. We'll get into this because I wrote five plot holes on that Wait, section, hang on. but yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. there. <laughs> You're telling me the main hero of the story was in the cell for at least a day, let's say, right? At least a night. I It didn't read that, and then later when it came up, <laughs> didn't think... No, it's all math and nonsense. <laughs> okay. And that's boring. That's no good. That's no good. I like running better. <laughs> this game of tag is boring uh but the team dark is on the island because they know rouge told them that there's three chaos emeralds on prison island for some reason so they're like hey go steal them the so one place where it this... makes sense to put them though <laughs> like uh, on prison island well, it just did this big vault <laughs> yeah i guess that's fair it's like the one place in the series where i'm like okay yeah 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 the things that are like big 
like ancient weapons, yeah, you should probably lock them all away. And not give but only one three of them to a, <laughs> like I don't care how trustworthy Tails is. Why did you give him one, you idiots? Because <laughs> he saved the city. Except no, he didn't. And also no, they didn't have a Chaos Emerald because Chaos Six existed and the seventh was at the. Pl- it's fun. It's a mess. <laughs> They go there. Rouge breaks into the vault because she's a spy for Gun for some reason. I don't think she really is, but okay, because she never acts on anything. Like she's supposed to be well, spying she's a spy on spy for the president. Yeah, but then when she has the chance to steal the Chaos Emeralds out of the Eclipse Cannon, she doesn't. She sits around for like a day doing nothing. She's a double agent. <laughs> she's a double agent who won't steal jewels either for herself or for her country <laughs> she just leaves them in the murder weapon yep okay um they're there to get those chaos emeralds rouge gets stuck in the vault with the emeralds um shadow planted a bunch of explosives to blow up the island and then when rouge says she gets stuck he goes and rescues her and chaos controls right out of the vault right on time i guess we're acting like rouge is like like she's got a plan that we're just, you know, we don't get. Maybe she's just incompetent. I certainly think maybe she's yeah, just incompetent like, and an idiot. <laughs> that's fine, but also her main motivation is for jewels. Right. Like, even if she was a moron, she would see that there's jewels in the gun and she would try to take them. <laughs> in- incompetent. <laughs> that she didn't notice the jewels? Yeah. In the big jewel machine? Yeah. All right. I'm sorry, Rouge. She literally sees bigger jewel. She she turns she sees those and then she she hears, "Oh, bigger jewel is here." I'm going out. She she gets she literally goes squirrel. <laughs> gets distracted. Um this is where Eggman shoots at the moon saying, "Hey, we're going to fire this at the world if you don't bend to the Eggman empire, I guess," which is fine um and then a big countdown saying 24 hours starts and then the next day as he's talking to the president in the limo he says that there's 24 hours left <laughs> let's start it over i think it's 24 hours i to think contact. previous previous to that conversation like in the same cutscene, they say the events of the past 12 hours have increased worldwide terrorist activity which is hilarious <laughs> but then line. when eggman gets on the phone he says oh well you have 24 hours to respond it's like but he should have 12 hours right well no he, he that, that was him responding the first time start over the clock 24 hours until he actually submits yeah okay that doesn't explain that eggman has his base in the pyramid and he has a teleporter to get onto the ark why does he have a space shuttle in the pyramid? <laughs> well, you gotta assume... Was that teleporter there originally, or did he have to go up there? And get the teleporter? Working. Right. No, no, the teleporter was there, because then... How would he meet Shadow the first time? The space shuttle has never been used, to my knowledge. <laughs> or, or maybe he's gotta get... His, his, all his robots are up there, right? Can't put all the. Uh, can't no, put all no, he doesn't it. have any robots up there. Or the robots that are up there. Those are guns robots. How did the gun robots get up there? 
they were already up there because it's a gun facility. Gun has been around for 50 years? Yeah. Jesus Christ, okay. <laughs> Where was gun when chaos took over? Who knows? They just didn't give a about Station Square, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we saw bullets don't work against water. That's another fact for you. <laughs> so gun is bullets, like, nope, nothing works. No good against water. <laughs> so they just give up entirely. Station Square can fend for itself. Yeah, exactly. Also, we can't spare, spare any anti-ballistic weapons to stop Eggman's missile, but that's fine. The As they're flying in the space shuttle, because Sonic steals it, obviously, uh, all the Master Emerald pieces spill out, uh, so Knuckles leaves and has to go get those, fights Rouge, Rouge thanks Knuckles for saving her from falling into the lava, and then Rouge gives the Emerald pieces to knuckles and then knuckles finishes restoring the master emerald to its questionable size uh on the arc tails reveals that he has a fake chaos emerald that he was going to give uh as sort of exchange for something i don't know gonna put it into the eclipse cannon and detonate it from the inside with this fake chaos emerald and it's indistinguishable from the real one so they try to trick Eggman into putting it in there, but then Tails says that it's a fake and he gets tricked. And then Sonic gets jettisoned into space and the pod explodes and Sonic dies. Genuinely thought he was dead as a kid. Genuinely upset me. <laughs> He's dead, oh no. Genuinely so. Um, but psych, nope, he just used the fake Chaos Emerald to perform a Chaos Control, the ability that he didn't n- even attempt to do before. Just saw shadow do it once and was like yeah i could probably do that and manages to chaos control back onto the ship by the way think about what that means think about that tails created this fake emerald again these things that are essentially weapons like weapons yeah, of mass but destruction this one's, uh, this one's just not as powerful as the real one well how do we know that we don't know that it worked just like a real one if tails can just, well, just make as, them he's he says it's not as powerful as the real one its signal is just indistinguishable okay but they could just be made suddenly making a the world a lot more of a dangerous place and b the chaos emeralds mean nothing well you also think about the chaos drives that you get from the gun robots and they're like a little crystal shard in a tube and that's the power source for the robot and they're called chaos drives so they're basically like manufactured chaos shards that power all their robots this world's not this doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense yeah i don't know it's advanced and not at all <laughs> advanced well wow. so, who could say um sonic and shadow then they have one more fight on the arc and sonic defeats shadow and destroys the eclipse cannon uh yeah basically and then we have the last story yeah so the last story starts with eggman putting the last emerald into the eclipse cannon which why would he do that if it was exploded <laughs> whatever um gerald a message from like his when you grandfather like, place when you get like a starbucks or something and you drop it and it spills all over the floor but you still like try to put the cup up to your mouth you know <laughs> just whatever little bits yeah just there. like same thing as that basically Except it has a high chance of exploding. <laughs> it's fine. 
uh, once the seventh emerald's in the in the eclipse cannon, though, a message from Gerald Robotnik plays his grandfather, saying that he programmed the Ark to collide with the Earth as retaliation for the government killing his colleagues and his biological research and his granddaughter Maria, who is Eggman's cousin, but Eggman doesn't ever mention her, so maybe. <laughs> Um, and I have a lot of plot holes written here, so... Uh Uh-huh. Um, one, we kind of established that the... While he was on Prison Island, I guess that's what those scribbles are, is to have the plans to, uh, program the Ark to collide with Earth, if all the seven Chaos Emeralds are put in there. When did he do that? (laughs) It's a great question. Because he was in prison after... He he was in prison, and his granddaughter died while he was in prison, or shortly before he was in prison. Mm-hmm. He comes up with the plans to have it collide with Earth and not fire the Eclipse Cannon, even though he knows that's still there, I guess, just to make sure in case it got destroyed for this story purpose. But then he was in prison, and then he wouldn't have gotten back to the Ark to be able to program that to the arc so the only time he would have had to program the arc to do that was before he was went to prison but before that his granddaughter wasn't dead so there was be no reason for him to do that i, I don't know what your problem is i think it sounds fine <laughs> okay so the other thing is the main reason that shadow is evil and wants to take over the world and kill all of all the humans and all that is because he thought he made a promise to Maria before she died that he would get revenge on humanity, even though that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, this would make more sense because Gerald programmed Shadow's DNA or brain or something to enact this plan of getting the eclipse cannon to destroy all the humans that would be why shadow is evil is because gerald programmed that into him when did he have the time to do that because <laughs> he was in prison well i kind of assume it's like let him out like how we have wealthy prison go both the people go to prison now but like you know they get like they can still run their businesses from within prison because we—it's not a good system. I assume the Sonic's in the Sonic universe. It's similar, right? He's so wealthy, so he just still has... so influential that, like, yeah, he's in prison, but it's in quotes. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's still in a straitjacket. Which also, how would he write on the walls if he was in a straitjacket? But he can still talk to his colleagues who weren't killed aboard the Ark because they all died on the Ark too. He could still tell them to go do these calculations and program the arc, even though the arc is decommissioned and there's no way onto it. To seriously fill in the gaps, I would assume like he did all that stuff before, sent that there. Somebody got word of that, and that's why he's in the straitjacket, and presumably, by the way, about to be shot. <laughs> Which is yeah, that's real what it dark. looks like. <laughs> Very dark. <laughs> yeah. Also, he films this video saying. Hey, I programmed the Ark to crash into the world if all the, since all the seven Chaos Emeralds are in there. So therefore, this is this is all because you guys killed my granddaughter. And then Gunn stopped filming that 
and said, hey, put this into the Ark and then leave it and then don't do anything with the Ark, even though we know it's programmed to crash into the Earth. Well, as you know, we respect people's last wishes. (laughs) Even if it means programming a doomsday device that will kill everyone on the planet. Yep. Always respect it. Okay. Whatever. Also, by the way, how big is the Ark? It's massive. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a whole colony that humans would live on and have a community up there. Cuz it seems significantly smaller than the moon. I th- I'm, I'm just like wondering how much damage it. would it do? Um, I mean a fair Cause bit. Cuz it's not like a death star, like it's not planet-sized. No, but it would deal a I'm, I'm not saying a it wouldn't large amount of damage. <laughs> I'm not saying it wouldn't do damage, but I don't think it would destroy the planet. Again, I don't know about science but at least entire country probably let me put it this way though if it was big enough to do any like massive massive damage you would think that would mess with the ocean's tide (laughs) i like to picture it as the same size of the chunk of the moon that was blown apart oh so everything's normal then it actually stabilized (laughs) you just you just plug the arc into the moon and everything's fine (laughs) also Gotta love that uh, Gerald's design uh, design philosophy here is just to make the arc look like his face. <laughs> uh, if that's one thing we know about the Robotnik clan, it's ego. <laughs> Big fan of that. Big fan. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's the biggest plot hole in the whole thing is when did Gerald program the arc? So then all of the characters team up to reach the planet's core the planet the arc's core um in order to stop this from happening um and remove the chaos emeralds as the power source to propel it towards the earth but shatter refuses to help because he thinks his mission to maria is complete but amy pleads for him to help which then jogs memory for maria telling shadow to help humanity so then shadow's like okay i guess i'll help and he catches up with the crew at the cannon's core, and suddenly there's a giant lizard. <laughs> Which is a proto-shadow, I guess? Yeah, so this is the bio-lizard, and the bio-lizard is the prototype for the ultimate life form, which is what Shadow would become. How Gerald got from giant dinosaur lizard to, uh, you know, hedgehog, I, I don't understand. Also, this would make... Because Shadow is frozen on Prison Island around the time that the Ark was dis- was decommissioned. So that would be about 50 years ago. Yep. So that technically makes Shadow like significantly older than Sonic. Oh yeah, he's elderly. <laughs> I mean, not only is he elderly, but like Sonic, I always assumed was this weird anomaly of like just this super fast hedgehog. But then I guess there's Tails and then shadow was way before that so or sonic was around there's some lore there that explains all this but it's not important to this game story i guess Uh uh-huh i want to make note i hate this boss fight so much (laughs) yeah the bio lizard it's not a fun boss fight it just it's very it has a lot it has a there's a river in the in the arena and if you fall into that river it's basically an instant death and it'll just knock you in there sometimes. It's just not a. It's just not a great fight. 
Yeah, there's these. He shoots these dark orbs at you, and they don't feel like, like the way you dodge them doesn't feel like it was intended. No, um, no, no. Yeah. Plus, they're a little too fast for you to really dodge accurately. So yeah, you're supposed to jump or roll under them, and we had to roll under them. It just feels wrong. Like it feels like they should hit you anyway. So it's it. The whole thing just feels clunky. Yeah, but after Shadow defeats the Bio Lizard, the Bio Lizard uses the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah. No, wait. Am I going to? Yeah, no, I'm reading this right. Shadow defeats it, allows Knuckles to use the Master Emerald to negate the Chaos Emeralds, hmm. which stops the cannon, stops the arc from hurtling towards the Earth. But then the Bio Lizard uses the deactivated chaos emeralds to perform a chaos control and merge its body with the arc and continue propelling its way towards earth also another thing if the bio lizard knows that he's supposed to propel the arc towards earth then that means gerald programmed the bio lizard to do this and that prototype was way old (laughs) fair fair point also, like, so this biolizard may not even been born yet. <laughs> yeah. Also, this thing is like clearly an animal, right? It's not a robot, so like it has zero sense of self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can you just program that out, but you don't think the military would try and dispose of this? They're just going to leave it on the ark for fifty years. It's pretty scary, to be fair. It's pretty scary. Um. Anyway. The bio lizard is hurtling towards Earth because it merged with the um, arc. Sonic and Shadow use the Chaos Emeralds to transform into their super forms. They defeat the f- the final hazard, as it's called. Awesome as a kid, F- like yeah, oh, fantastic so hype, game. so cool, and like Shadow's just got a super form too. Hell yeah, it's the coolest thing yeah, ever. I mean, it's st- it still looks pretty great. I I love this moment. Yeah, it's it's fun. But then they use a giant chaos control to teleport the arc back to a stable orbit. Um, and then Sonic makes it back, but Shadow loses energy and falls towards Earth. And then Sonic turns around and goes, <laughs> ultimate life form. <laughs> he doesn't do that. But no, he, he goes, basically faker. <laughs> faker. I think you're the fake hedgehog. Um, the Earth cheers and then they think shadow's dead and the game ends that's pretty much it what an experience (laughs) Um, oh man i mean it's like we talked about the plot holes and stuff we're making fun of it but like during game it's fun like it's a lot of fun (laughs) it's just oh it's still yeah it moves at such a pace and like it's such a good time anything quick you want to mention before we move on i mean some of my favorite moments of the story i especially love when they're trying to break into the base and they send Knuckles off to go find the keys because that's what he does. Yeah, that is a good. I just use love of the that character. character interaction. Yeah. The heist crew of Shadow, Eggman, and Rouge trying to heist into Prison Island. I find it a fun moment. I just wish the lip syncing was better, <laughs> or the game had any lip syncing whatsoever. Yeah. Or really any localization ever. <laughs> I mean, when you compare it to SA One, it's a masterpiece. But. In terms of lip syncing, yeah, but it's only lip synced to the Japanese dialogue, yeah. which is fine I mean, and understandable. That big deal to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get it. That's not like... a. That's not the problem. The big problem is that the language 
um, it wasn't paced out any, so characters were all will often talk over each other. Yes, that the famous does one is when Sonic and Shadow first meet on Prison Island in the forest, and Sonic says, "I'll make you eat those words" before Shadow's even finished saying the words. <laughs> yeah, like I find it funny, but like it really is quite bad. Yeah, for sure. Real quickly, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but we did play some multiplayer together. We got together and, and uh, checked it out on the GameCube version. Uh, which, the Dreamcast version did have multiplayer, right? But, like, the GameCube yes, version's a it lot. Was, it was about half as much as the GameCube version has. And then, even still, it was fairly mediocre, which, I mean, the GameCube version isn't a whole lot better. One thing I will mention about the Dreamcast version is that one of the alternate characters that you can unlock, which is one of two, I believe, the one of them you can unlock an egg robo for the kart racing stuff, which is pretty cool. Very much like Sonic R, which is neat. But the other one is that you can unlock Big as a mech character, <laughs> and he just basically rides in Eggman's mech. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is fantastic. Yeah, unfortunately he's not in the... The GameCube re-release, or I guess the modern re-releases either. Uh, they replace him with, honestly, something pretty also awesome, which is the Chow robots, which are uh, a bunch of Chow riding in a Chow-shaped mech, which is pretty fun. The multiplayer, I think it's pretty fun. I think if you're going to play it, though, approach it like you would uh, Mario Party, where it's just nonsense. Don't expect like your skill to come that much into play. It's um, like I, I think the best modes are the Sonic, you know, race levels, and those modes have some like they have worse rubber banding than Mario Kart has. Like they're so like like you get power ups when you die to help you catch up, and those power ups are like brutal. Like one of them just well, you get you collect power ups, you get power ups that are character abilities as you collect rings, and those can range from a speed boost or um, an attack on your opponent, or you can. Uh, chaos control to freeze your opponent in place <laughs> yeah and that one in particular is the one that i'm like in a racing game and like, it just makes no sense and it's definitely brutal it'll just like freeze you for like 10 seconds which is a long time <laughs> and you can mash the buttons to make the timer go faster but like when it's 15 seconds and you're just stuck it's rough the main thing is uh, Adventure 2 Battle, the re-release on GameCube, added a bunch more stuff, including more characters for the multiplayer. And for the Sonic action stages, you can pick Amy. And Amy is really slow, but she gains power-ups off of less amount of rings than any other character. So basically what that amounts to is you get enough rings to get the chaos control and then you win because <laughs> you can just lock them in time hell for all eternity yep which i did to you multiple times and like it's so easy just to cheese it like it's i don't know it's it's fun but like don't expect skilled play to come to really matter yeah and i, I would say it's the same for all the characters like there's treasure hunting mini games where you're trying to race to find an emerald as quick as you can um this mech fights it's you know it's all it's a it's an okay time but i would you know don't play this game for the multiplayer i guess so other than that we did pre-record a segment uh with with our friend sid talking about the chow garden stuff 
since you kind of touched it this time around, I didn't touch it at all. We thought, let's get an expert in. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. So enjoy that now. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed that 10 out of 10 podcast so far. But for right now, we're actually doing a pre-recorded segment all about the Chow Garden in SA2. And to do that with us, we have our friend and amazing artist, Sid. How you doing? Hi. Thanks for letting me be the Chow expert. Of course. We needed one this time around. So for these playthroughs, uh, both adventure games, I personally skipped the Chow stuff altogether. Uh, but Connor, how did you handle it this time around? Um, I did sort of just a basic exploration of the chow where I would have whatever eggs it started with and then I would just feed them whatever I had. Did a couple races just to test them out, but nothing substantial. Uh, I did when I was playing SA2, this one, I got one hero and one dark chow to unlock the other chow gardens and that's all I did. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, we figured since your experience was somewhat limited this time around, uh, we'd, we'd get we'd get an expert in, you know, uh, who can speak to it a little better than we can. And it's part of the game, so we wanted to make sure we cover it. I'll say I was disappointed not to hear about the Chow in the last game. But to be fair, I didn't play the last game, so I couldn't have done any better. Well, we are here to remedy that. Uh, so... Carter, since this is kind of your segment, your idea, why don't you take us away? Yeah, I mean, I mainly want to uh, throw some questions to Sid. Like, specifically, what's your personal history with Adventure 2 as a whole and the Chow Garden? Um, well, you're probably going to mention this in the, pre- in the rest of the episode, but um, you were the one who owned the game and played a significant portion of it. And I think what piqued my interest was watching you play the chow garden and be like, Oh, this seems like something that I actually want to play. And then I was the sibling who just made you play the rest of the game to give me items to feed to the chow because I could not be bothered. So, um, I think maybe I played city escape and like one other stage, but no, I was not into the rest of the game. I was like, just give me stuff to feed my children and let me grow them stronger. And honestly, like, Chow were the main reason I got into Sonic at all. Like, I remember playing one of the Advance games on our Game Boy Advance, and the only reason I wanted to play it was because Cream was in it and she had a Chow. So, like, that's kind of my angle into Sonic is really just these cute little creatures. They are very cute. They're so cute. Yeah, I love them a whole lot. They, um, we didn't really uh, bring this up but Sid and I did grow up together so we had the same copy Um, that's why I would play the stages and then Sid would play the chow garden and I remember specifically it was whenever we would get an animal in the stage which with the chow garden if you give an animal to a chow it'll adapt its properties and one of its body parts will change or whatever so if you give it a gorilla it might have gorilla arms and I remember I love very the penguin eyebrows. That was the best one. <laughs> the angry eyebrows are very good. The 
But I remember that Sid and whoever else, I think, had a, some chow in that garden with us, didn't ever want that because they don't want their chow to have these weird parts. They just want the chow. So anytime we would get an animal, we'd have to go kill a bunch of robots to get the new chaos drives and put those and only buff the stats without changing the body parts. So I do remember that. I also remember sabotaging um, their chow and playing a stage and giving them animals when they weren't playing and them coming back and being like, what the hell? You ruined my children. So, ru- so rude. <laughs> yeah, because we had it segmented. Yeah. Like, I didn't know as a child that, like, that you get buffs from doing that. Or, like, I didn't know about Chow reincarnation or any of this crap. It was really just, like, aesthetics. And I was like, you, you've you killed it. You've ruined it. Now I can't. Like, I have right. to throw this child away now. <laughs> <laughs> and this child's that's not beautiful. Chow Garden works, right? <laughs> They're these little little cute little creatures that you you raise and level up and you do that by playing the main stages and grinding them out uh, and getting these pickups from the enemies yeah and those animals are super necessary if you want to get like the chaos chow which i had no idea existed right uh the, like quickly i loved this this mode as a kid spent a lot of time in it in both adventure games and thought it was wonderful uh, as an adult i've replayed these games multiple times and i just don't have the patience for it like it requires a lot of grinding to oh yeah actually succeed and a lot of replaying those levels and getting those animals i mean those animals like you said are pretty crucial especially in adventure 2 to being able to level up fast that like chaos drives don't really do much from what i remember so it is it it's just it's it's really cool if you're a kid and this is your one game it encourages replaying and doing better and stuff like that and i like it for that but as an adult i just kind of tend to skip it all together Um, And if you're doing it specifically because the Chow Garden in both versions of the game, the Dreamcast and the GameCube version and the subsequent re-releases after that, the Chow Garden has emblems that you can unlock, which you need to do if you want the secret bonus stage. So if you're just doing it for that, it requires a lot of time spent in the Chow Garden and just replaying stages to get items. Which is fine, but is not something that you might you might not have the patience to do that. When I was doing it this time to get one hero chow and one dark chow just to unlock the other gardens, the you have to sp- treat them in a specific way with specific characters, and then you have to wait for them to reincarnate, which takes one chow year, which is approximately three hours. <laughs> oh my god. So what I, I did was I had that window open on a separate monitor because I was playing it on PC and then I was typing the notes for this episode in the other window and just waiting for the chow to re- reincarnate. Yep, uh, that is a perfect manifestation as why, like, as an adult, I just don't have it anymore. I don't have the patience for it. It's just not... Well, that makes me even wonder how the hell we did it as kids because, like, I did not know any of that. Was it on accident? Probably. Were we playing the chow garden for three hours at a time? I could believe that, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. you don't have to be consecutive. It just has to be total. And I checked. I still have. Well, I still have a save file from when we were kids, and it's at about twenty hours. <laughs> Chow killer. Yeah. Okay. This is this is the main reason I wanted to talk more about this Chow Garden specifically was, um, as kids, I wanted to play something else. Knowing me, it was probably either Sonic Heroes or Metroid Prime. Those were my two big GameCube games. And, of course, Sonic Adventure 2. 
and I wanted to play that, but they wouldn't let me have a turn on our one GameCube, and they were still taking care of their chow. So in um, being upset, I turned the GameCube off, but I did it while they were trying to save and quit, which if you know anything about saving, it tells you not to turn the console off, and that's why, because it corrupts your save data and deletes it. Oh my god, you are a monster. I'm so sorry. I feel bad for it to this day. It's like the one thing you did as a kid where I'm just like, I still don't know if I forgive you for that. (laughs) That's that's fair, honestly. Well, it's also, too, because we had that other family member who played with us. And so it was like, you didn't sabotage just me. You sabotaged two other people to be like, "Mm, nope. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, I talked about the last episode how my Adventure 1 save, which I had been raising Chow in. Uh, was deleted by somebody who came over to our home. I don't even remember it. I'm still angry about it. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I still feel really guilty about that. The main problem also about this was I personally didn't care about the Chow Garden as a kid. And the way that both adventure games save data to the memory card, it saves the Chow data completely separate from your game file. So by corrupting their chow data, I didn't actually lose any of my game progress. So it was... There was no mutual consequence. <laughs> exactly. Other than the emotional grief that I still feel. <laughs> yep. You struck with precision. like. Yep. Damn. I didn't mean to, honestly. <laughs> didn't know we had a killer I'm... on here. Don't know how to feel about that. This is, what, 12, 13 years after, this, after the fact? I sincerely apologize to your chow. <laughs> <laughs> my children, who I will never recover from 13 years later listen it's all right if anything now i have the power of emulation and i can just play them on my computer and hack new children into existence so you know yeah so tell me oh, we about have a murder that and somebody who wants to play god on here i see what's <laughs> happening yeah listen chow are a vessel to enact your strangest fantasies of just oh no, oh no, back up, back up, back up, you're too far, too far, too far, too far. These weird teardrop creatures, and then you can just play God and be like, nope, don't want them anymore. Send them into the great abyss. Bye-bye. Yeah, so tell me about that of experience. Um, Of emulation? And getting some fancy chow and how that would happen legitimately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I have a dolphin emulator on my computer, which is like one of the more popular Wii slash GameCube emulators. And I downloaded Sonic Adventure 2 last night and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get the Forbidden Chow because on GameSpot, you can download people's save data that they've uploaded to the internet. So I downloaded a Adventure 2 file that had all the emblems, everything unlocked, including a couple secret menu screens like that I didn't even know existed. Did you find the secretary? Um, It was the secretary, and the secretary had been found, and the Maria screen was unlocked. Yeah, I forget how you unlock the Maria screen, but the secretary one, you just rotate the analog stick on the controller a bunch, and then it unlocks it. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, so both of those had been unlocked, and I was like, cool, this is a file that has, like, all the emblems, and it has a shit ton of rings, so I can just play around with whatever I want to. Um, Because there are, like, you can still do, like, GameShark codes, but I wasn't sure how that was going to play, so I just was trying to go only the emulation, like, download file route. But I did find separate Chow data for files that had secret Chow, including the Knuckles, Tails, and Amy's Chow, which you can only get a specific way, Um, and then some shiny Chow, 
And I couldn't find one with the Knight's Chow, which was the one I really wanted to be able to see in-game. But, yeah. Or, and then I found files with, like, all three. Chaos Chow and all these different things. So, like, Chow that I had never been able to create as a kid, I was able to, like... I went and I played one of the race modes with one of the um, Chaos Chow and all their stats were leveled up to 99 and it was just insane. It was so funny to, to watch them just, yeah, just blast through the entire race. So Chaos Chow, these are Chow that are look like Chaos? Yeah, so there's three different versions. There's a neutral Chaos Chow, which does look like Chaos from the first game. Like one of the mid phases, not the big giant monster. That would be terrifying. Yeah, they look like um, a small Chaos Zero. Yeah. Um, and then there's a he, um, an angel version and a demon version of the okay, Chaos so Chow as well. In the last episode, we learned that Chaos was a was a corrupted Chow. Are are you dooming the planet by creating another Maybe. one? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but that was thousands of years the ago. Ultimate it's, arbiter of death. <laughs> it's if you breed this Chow and then leave it for thousands of years, then you get another one. But it's cute. <laughs> it is cute though. Yeah, so those ones are a crazy amount of work because you have to feed them each, only one of each animal, including like the more rare animals like the dragon, twice. And they have to reincarnate three times. Which is at minimum nine hours. Yes. Ugh. It's insane. But yeah, you can talk about like those secret character chow because I think you understand a little bit more about those than I do. Yeah, so the character chow, there are... Uh, there's three that look like character, but are not considered official character Chow. Those being the Sonic Shadow and Knight's Chow. And those are just a specific way of breeding them that produce Chow that look like those characters, Sonic Shadow and Knight's. And those are really cool, but they're not like these secret rare ones. Um, plus they're mortal, so they can die, which I didn't know if you know that Chow could die, but they can. No, well, I think maybe I did know that. I think maybe um, the person who was playing in the Devil Garden had a couple Chow that died, but I never had any of my Chow die. Well, how does that? Aside from being erased. Well, yeah, okay, perma death. A, a fate worse than death, being yeah corrupted. It's if they live a certain amount of years, then they just die of old age. That's so you have to be in the Chow Garden for like twelve to sixteen hours. And they just, do they just disappear or do they leave their little chow corpse in the ground? Uh, they just disappear by my knowledge. Okay. And you thought I was morbid. They go into their little, trans their little like evolution pod. Yeah. And then they just evolve into a corpse. <laughs> Jesus. All right. No, they just, they I just know this was such a heartbreaking. <laughs> Glad I never got there. They just disappear child. after that. Man, chow guard me up. Damn. <laughs> so there it's are the these three special life. three mm -hmm. special character chow that are not ob obtainable within the game anymore. And those are being those are the Tails, Knuckles, and Amy Chow, as we mentioned before. And these were three Chow that looked like the characters, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. And they were only obtained either through they're only on the GameCube version, first of all. And they were only obtained through either a GameCube disc that was sent through a electronic catalog in 2003. You could then use that to put them onto your memory card. Or there were 
special events in Japan that you could take your memory card to and put it into the machine and then copy them that way. Yeah, it's convoluted. But but nowadays, unless maybe those uh, catalog discs are out there somewhere, the only way to do this is through hacking, which is fine, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, or like what I did, which is where you download a file that already has them. Yeah, that's hacking. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's that or, like, GameShark codes I know are possible. So if you wanted to do this not on, like, a PC version, you could probably still do it on console with those codes. But yeah, there's those. And then there's also these, like, mirror, like, chow. Like, they're more, like, shiny and metallic looking. And those you had to get through SA1 and then transport over using the cable link. Something happened with that. So those are, like, even more rare. Um, and there's multiple colors of those. And then there's also like ghost form chow, which is like a, like you can get, you can get a glitch where there's a transparent chow. It's just like invisible except for the face and the, like the little orb on the top of their head. Like there's, there's some weird shit. <laughs> I don't think we said, but you're doing this also. You can, so they can compete in races. And I think there's a fighting mini game, which also seems kind of morbid, <laughs> but it's like a little karate dojo. Yeah, so so they they you're doing this so they have better stats for these mini games, which will get you. You emblems, say that like that's the purpose, completion. or you can just be a kid who just kind of <laughs> ignores that part. Like I don't think it's explicitly stated that that's what you do. There's a mountain in the main Chow Garden where you can go in to this like tunnel, and explore that. But it's also perfectly acceptable to not interact with that at all. Right, yeah, for sure. But before we go, I want to talk about how insane <laughs> what they imply with this uh, with the Chow Garden is. Because you get the normal Chow Garden, which I really like. It's very tranquil. It's it's cool. Uh, and then the other two Chow Gardens you unlock are the good and evil ones, which are basically heaven and hell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which implies that there's a heaven and hell in the Sonic universe. And the heaven one's like, cool, you go upstairs, it's heavenly i guess the hell it's one got a nice swimming pool there's a river of blood <laughs> <laughs> and like gravestones and skulls that you can put on the heads of your chow i just that's pretty great yeah i, I mean it. it's great <laughs> it's just to me it's like suddenly you go okay yeah shadow the hedgehog makes a little bit more sense how you got there <laughs> it's His just hot like topicness a fits in wild like Here's this adorable little moat. Also, here's a blood river. Also, there's a kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the other chow features. You can rename them there. You can put them in classes. They can learn to play tambourine and sing and, you know, kid stuff. Yeah, this was the last thing I wanted to talk about for this segment. And then we can let you go back to the other episode was just how wild these chow gardens are on the Dreamcast version. Because the Dreamcast version of both of these games, Adventure 1 and Adventure 2, you can't see the Chow stats. Which boggles my mind. That makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. So in Adventure 1, you would name them and then you could pick them up and it would show their name. And then that's it. (laughs) Is that because they're on the VMU? Uh, I don't believe you could see the stats on the VMU either. Held. But in SA2's case, there's also... 
uh, two additional stats for the Chow in the Dreamcast version, and those are intelligence and luck. But you can only ever modify those stats by putting them into the VMU and then playing Chow Adventure 2 with them and solving puzzles and whatever, and that will help them avoid obstacles when racing in the game. It's wild, especially that there's so much just different about the Dreamcast Chow Gardens that seems like it would have been there, like... It ha- like you would have to see the stats if you're gonna grind for emblems, right? No, they just didn't put that in. That makes it even more convoluted. Some of the items decrease stats. Like you can get negative points. Yeah, some of the animals boost stats while we're decreasing the other ones. Right. That's that's bad. <laughs> it's really awful. bad. Um, and that's God. just surface level knowledge. I know there's even more different kinds of chow that are available in the Dreamcast version and not on the GameCube version. And then there's yeah, some this that part of the game is like and... crazy deep. If you want to get into it, it can be its own whole thing, you know? Yeah. I'll put some links in the episode description for these changes and some other info. There is entire Wikipedia or just entire wiki sites dedicated to chow garden and all of its different add-ons and bonuses and mini games and, there's so many. Maybe the convoluted nature of Chow is the reason why it hasn't showed up in any other Sonic games. That's true, but I mean, also... I love them. I would take just a straight up Chow game that was basically just a Tamagotchi. Like I would take a whole game that's just that, but I think like Sonic Team just kind of forgets that they exist to be yeah, fair. Yeah, and it's wild to me because people like it. Like, I don't understand why they don't put them in the modern games. I mean, I do because those games really do seem like they are underfunded. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, it's just another thing they have to program. But it does seem like it would be a win for them to bring it back. Uh, oh, yeah, the fans is, would go nuts. I mean, like I said, I didn't touch them this playthrough at all. Like, it is completely optional. So the idea of them not being there is just wild to me because it doesn't hurt anybody but you know we're not them (laughs) and they're kind of just this relic of the adventure era minus i guess chocolate and cheese um cream's chow whenever she shows up in a game but that hasn't been for a minute either well and they show up in spinoffs and other games all the advanced games have chow in them somewhere right except maybe the the first one does because the one that's chow lives on yeah the latest was, I believe, Team Sonic Racing. You could play as just the character called Chow, which is just a Chow, a Hero Chow, and a Dark Chow, all, in, all driving the same car. That's incredible. That's really cute. So they still exist, it's just there's no dedicated Chow Garden anymore. Oh, I miss it. Not to end on a down note, but <laughs> thank you for joining us, Sid. Yeah, thanks for talking about Chow this time. We will have links to your twitter and things in the uh description but can you tell the people where they can find you and what you're doing yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at chili straw as well as twitch i've started streaming there now i'm playing i'm in the middle of playing the first dong and rumpo with my stream as well as just doing general art stuff um and i did remember this time because we are rebooting it i have a podcast <laughs> and it's uh being it's beans and leaves and you can follow it on twitter and instagram at uh, beans underscore pod i think it's also linked on my twitter and instagram that part i'm not so confident on we will but also we're put planning that on releasing in the description 
Yes, yes, thank you. And we're planning on releasing episodes monthly this year. Knock on wood. Let's see if we'll stick to that. But, yeah. Really nice new logo. Thank you. I won't tell you how long it took because it'll make me feel like um, I didn't spend enough time on it. Because <laughs> it took me 15 minutes. Well, it looks great. And also, we'd be remiss to mention, Sid also did the art for this show. So if you like that, check out their stuff. Um, yeah. You don't, right, currently you don't have commissions open, right? But you do every once in a while? Um, they're just kind of ongoing open. I do um, oh, icons okay. and various things, yeah. Just, just DM me or send me an email. Yep, check them out for sure. Totally worth it. All right. Awesome. That's good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Let's uh, finish up the main episode. fun time this game was you know like sure some downs but like for the most part i i still think i still feel justified in saying it's probably my favorite sonic game personally i don't know where you would it's definitely top five for me i maybe even top three i just love the sense of energy the sense of speed that you can get yeah the story is absolute nonsense and the voice acting is non-existent the voice acting is better. Oh, it exists. The lip sync. It exists. It reminds you it exists. It's a lot better than Adventure 1 also, but they talk over each other. Yeah. Yeah, it has its hiccups, and there's a little bit of weird physics jank that can happen. But all, overall, I find the this game to be an extremely fun time from start to finish. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the last order of business, I guess, let's talk about our uh, recommended viewings. What are, you've you've put most of the stuff in here, so you want to go through it real quick. Um, actually, I want to talk about the legacy of oh okay. post game. So the legacy of Adventure Two. Uh, we mentioned earlier that the this game came out after the Dreamcast was decommissioned or like discontinued, which still boggles my mind. But this was released for the Dreamcast, which only lasted about two years. <laughs> Because it came out in 98 in the States, and then or 99 in the States, and then was uh, discontinued in 2001. So after this, the Dreamcast went under. Sega wasn't going to make any more consoles because the Dreamcast did so poorly. And also, the main reason the Dreamcast did so poorly is because it came out at the wrong time. Like, it came out in 1998 in Japan, and by then things were like it had a couple years but then with the around 2000 is when the next generation of consoles was coming along the gamecube the ps2 and the xbox with the gamecube releasing in 2001 and then the ps2 releasing in 2002 that was very much not the time to be releasing a machine that was overpowered and not next gen basically it's basically the opposite of what nintendo does every time yeah but at this point it was also coming off the heels of the sega saturn which flopped um, like almost worse than the dreamcast it had oh yeah little to no games it the saturn was coming off the sega cd and the 32x which were add-ons for the genesis but that did not sell well at all 
So they were kind of going downhill in terms of consoles anyway. So they officially restructured after Adventure 2's release. They officially restructured as a third-party publisher. um, And their first game that they published as a third-party was Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which released for the GameCube later the same year. (laughs) I mean, makes sense. In Japan, obviously. Um, It came out in 2002 in the States. But this was all possible because Aisao Okawa, who was the president of Sega at the time and the largest shareholder of the company, um, he died in March 16th of 2001, just like a couple weeks before the Dreamcast was discontinued. He obviously was very involved in this process of uh, understanding where the Dreamcast was going. And... Um, he was dealing with a lot of, like, uh, medical issues. I think he had some form of cancer, if I remember that correctly. But af- after his death, he forgave all of Sega's debts to him and also returned $695 million worth of stock to the company without any, like, restrictions, basically. Like, here's all this money back, which was the main reason why Sega was able to come back from this loss of the Dreamcast and become a third-party publisher because that takes a lot of money to restructure your company like that. So, you know, this generous gift of this of their former president was what allowed them to do that. Right, it's wild. But before that, we were talking about this and Dustin was really excited about this one, but this was sometime in the year 2000 before they fully decided to kill the Dreamcast. Um... Sega was keeping an eye on the in-development Xbox, and they were pushing with Microsoft to have the Xbox be compatible with Dreamcast games. God, it's such a shame that didn't happen. It's such a shame. And the main reason it didn't happen was because they came in just too late that the Xbox was already full, like, um, along enough that they didn't want to reincorporate that into the hardware. So they just barely missed out on not having the Xbox be compatible with Dreamcast games. Well, because think about what that would mean in modern days. If that had happened, most likely you would be able to put a Dreamcast disc into an Xbox Series X and have it work. Oh, God, we missed out. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome. Like, It's such a shame. It would be so good. Yeah. What a bummer. Um, I mean, obviously Sega knew the Dreamcast was flopping, but they still had a ton of fans for, you know, all of their franchises as well as a bunch of Dreamcast players. So by allowing Xbox to make their console Dreamcast compatible, they were basically giving them all of their customers. But Microsoft didn't go through with that. So Isao Okawa, who was main the main one pushing for this integration, instead decided to partner with Microsoft to release a lot of their dreamcast games on xbox or just give sequels to the xbox so this is why we saw things like shenmue 2 which originally was only in japan on the dreamcast i believe but saw an xbox release we got a sequel to jet set radio called jet set radio future panzer dragoon orta space channel 5 part 2 and a ton of others were all released for the Xbox. Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2 was on the Xbox. Sega GT Crazy Racing. Crazy Taxi sequels that I didn't even know existed until I was doing research yeah, on Yeah, so all of those, in addition to 
the new wave of Sonic games would be on Xbox as part of this deal. Um, The main reason Sega was interested in the Xbox is because of its online capabilities. They thought that would work really well for their Dreamcast games, but that didn't pan out. Such a shame, such a shame. Rest in peace, Dreamcast. You will live on my heart, at least, or next to my desk. (laughs) Yep, the 20 people that owned you will mourn you. Uh, all right what are you recommending the people to go watch um i am recommending here they're just recently the sonic youtube page released four demo tracks from this game's development and those are city escape metal harbor mission street and one other that i'm forgetting now um but those were part of some like charity stretch goal thing so those are all there i've I've made a playlist for you so um definitely check that out the other thing i've put here is um the sonic adventure 2 tool assisted speed run awesome i not only is the um speed run great and um i'll link another video on the history of the speed run evolution which is really interesting but I just find tool assisted speedruns to be so funny. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about just absolutely destroying a game from the inside out to be really hilarious to me. So that'll be there as well. Nice. Uh, you also have some Chow version differences linked here. Um, yeah, we mentioned yeah. that in our Chow segment. And, and Dreamcast changes as well for people to check out. And then I put in here a YouTube video called Is It uh, Possible to Beat Sonic Adventure 2 with Only Sonic? It's just a fun video. Um, it's uh, Nathaniel Bandy is the YouTuber who did it. Um, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's just it kind of gives you an idea of like, because like it's basically modded, so you could you know all the levels with Eggman and um, you know Tails and stuff like that, Knuckles and stuff that they're playing as Sonic and trying to trying to see if it's possible to beat them um, with him. It's 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 an entertaining video if you're looking for something like that. And then I'm going to put a late change in here and add in the What Happened episode on the Dreamcast if you want more information on that. It's great. What Happened is always a great uh, show. If you don't watch that, you should. So check that out. Thanks for tuning in. I know this is a long one, but found it pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. Next episode will be Sonic Heroes. And if you want to find out what we're up to on Twitter, you can follow the show at Save Station Pod. Connor, where can the people follow you? Yeah, they can find me at Conifer SSR. Um, you know, just hanging out over there. I have a whole thread of me trying to repair my Dreamcast. That's an interesting read, I think. So, yeah, check me out there. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Dustin H Dragon on Twitter. Uh, yeah, and thank you for listening to this monster of an episode. Uh, you know, if you're still around after the intro, I appreciate it. <laughs> Ska forever. Ska forever. Uh, Remember, be good to each other. Yeah, and take care. Bye.